Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. Okay. My title this morning is Expecting Flowers in the Desert. Hi, flowers. That's right, I'm talking about flowers. In fact, the last time I was up here I was talking about rainbows. So I might be expecting flowers in the desert, but I'm not expecting an invitation to speak on a men's wilderness retreat anytime soon. <laughs> uh, actually, oh, there's a seamless link. Could we play my clip just now? I promise we will get into this, but could we play the clip just now? Thanks. a bit welly. country the biggest band around when I was growing up totally loved them they were local heroes they were Pars fans but when you look back at 35 years at that YouTube thing it looks a bit weird and nostalgia's know what it used to be the clothes the hair the whole thing it's a bit weird and a bit dated a bit like myself now, I discovered a new thing recently. It's called Jomo. Anyone heard of that? Jomo, the joy of missing out. It's kind of like the antidote to FOMO, which is the fear of missing out, which advertisers and businesses use to control our desires and our wallets. Uh, it means that you can scroll right on past the photographs of old school friends on exotic holidays enjoying nights out in fancy restaurants and taking their kids to school in their new Range Rovers. You can go past all that because Jomo protects you from jealousy. I'd like to say that my joy of missing out comes from having a clear direction in life, an assurance of my purpose. It doesn't matter what's happening to the left or to the right of me because... 
I have my eyes on the prize, and my joy is in the Lord. However, I suspect that my joy of missing out is simply that I can't be bothered <laughs> doing anything. Happiness is a couch. In fact, I'm going to do the rest of this from the couch. <laughs> See how this works, eh? <laughs> right. Oh, this is, this is so much better. <laughs> anyway, so I was sitting in my happy place. You know that weird time between Christmas and New Year where you can't remember what day it is? <laughs> anyway, so it was about 11 o'clock in the morning and I was half watching a nature documentary uh, and I was scrolling through my phone and I was finishing an Olympic-sized breakfast that consisted solely of Quality Street. <laughs> and I was living proof that men can multitask. But to tell you the truth, I was a wee bit tired. I'd had a, a busy few months, had turned into a busy few years, you know, with work and with family, and I was, if I'm being honest, I was struggling a bit for vision. I was thinking about resolutions and goals and motivation, and why I struggle with all of that. And I don't know, have you ever felt like you needed a miracle, but you didn't really want to ask? You needed a breakthrough. But we were overwhelmed. And it can be a dangerous thing when you stop for a couple of days and get off the hamster wheel. Uh, so I wondered, should I ask for help? So, About this time, the same inspirational Bible verse kept popping up on my newsfeed. It was coming from people that I know, people that I follow on social media. But four or five times that morning, the same verse kept coming up from, from different people. People that are unconnected, but from all over the world. But they seem to be pushing the same verse right into my face. And my friends in a WhatsApp group had been sharing their motivations and their resolutions all morning. So I thought, right, I'll reread this verse, the one that I've been pointed to all morning, and it's the one that I've quoted up there. It says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, I think you should really get up there. You won't be taking me seriously. So it's a fascinating verse, Isaiah 43. I had to read it again. Because it seemed to be saying to me, forget what's happened up to now, all the things that you concern yourself with, I will make a way. So is God really saying, stop? Stop going over old ground. Stop replaying all your mistakes and your missed opportunities. Stop worrying about the future. Stop striving in the present. It kind of reads that way to me, but it sounds too good to be true. Read it again. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, what happened next was just brilliant. As I was checking out this verse and looking it up on my phone, David Attenborough had continued his explanation on the telly of the way that the, the currents combine around about the tip of Africa and around the Cape of Good Hope. 
Now, there's some wonderful photography of South Africa on the screen. It's probably my favorite place on the planet. So it kind of had my attention. But the documentary continued and they went up the Atlantic coast to Namibia, where the desert meets the ocean. And I saw something incredible. Under the right circumstances, there's a, an onshore breeze and a fog forms and it blows in over the desert for a few hours. And there's just enough moisture for the seeds that have waited in the sand to flower. And for a time every spring, the desert has a carpet of flowers. And it hit me. It's away in the wilderness. It streams in the wasteland, flowers in the desert. Isn't it amazing how God can confirm his word to us? I mean, Stephen touched on this a couple of weeks ago. God is speaking to us, but are we really listening? See, buried away in the middle of these verses, there's a wee bit that I've read out a couple of times now. It says, do you not perceive it? I've got to ask myself, am I looking for God to move? Do I recognize his hand at work in my life? Do I listen for his voice? Because life can be busy and it can be complicated. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming and we can become used to operating in our own strength and worrying about every detail and taking a tighter and tighter grip over every aspect of our lives. Can I ask you a question? Do we believe God blesses? Do we believe God blesses? Well, that's a good start. Now, do we believe that God wants to bless us? Yes. Then why is it that we have God over here and infinite power and wisdom and love and capacity to transform lives and yet we're over here struggling away in our little bubble? Why is that? Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And then in verse 22, it says, Yet you have not called on me. Simple, eh? We've not asked for help. Certainly in my case, I think that's the problem. I don't ask for help. It was once explained to me that God's love is unconditional, but his blessing is not. So even if the condition for this blessing of God making streams in the, in the wasteland, even if the, the condition here is simply that we ask, there's still a condition. But even asking is not always as e easy as it sounds. After all, if I have to ask for help, it means I have to admit my defeat and lay down my pride. So we can be a barrier to the blessing. Another barrier can be seen in the scripture that I've read out as well. And please make a note of this one and study it yourself. Make sure that I'm telling you the truth, okay? But another barrier can be seen in the scripture. We often expect God to show up in the same way that he always has done in the past. We can't imagine any other way for God to transform our situation. So without realizing it, we place limits on him. But the verse says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I have a friend called Ian McCauley. He says this. He says, let go and let God. So 
often we can overthink our situation, particularly when we need breakthrough. Sometimes we just need to let go. Let God in. Let him take it. Let him deal with it. But the method of delivering the blessing, the way that God does it, is not as important as the source. It's not as important as God himself. See, God can and will do a new thing, if necessary, to reach into your hour of need and to deliver your miracle. To make a way in the wilderness, a stream in the wasteland. And again, Stephen was, was touching on this before, but we need to be led by the Spirit. Remembering the former things is like leaning on our own understanding in Proverbs 3. And these things, even miracles that we've already seen and rationalized and processed, we think that's how it has to be done. That's our understanding. We need to acknowledge God and be guided by him again as he makes our path straight, especially in the wilderness. So let's not be trapped by what we think God's going to do. Let's hand it over to him. Now again, Stephen touched on this one a couple of weeks ago, but we need to listen and seek God in our own lives and kind of lean into the relationship a bit more. Think of him as a compass, even when we don't have a map. You know, we, we, we can't always see the path, but we have to just follow him. Now, I'm probably learning, again, that I have to be available to make time, to listen, to obey, to slow down, to stop. Or as the verse puts it, to forget the former things and not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now, I'll give you a little bit of context to this verse. Why, why this is in the Bible, why it's there, and what it was, who, who was being spoken to. Isaiah's writing to the children of Israel, and it came at a, a bleak period in their history. They're in Babylon, and they're in, they're in captivity. They're out of the promised land. They've lost everything and everything that they thought that they would have forever. And they were homesick for their land, for their country, and for the blessing and for the presence of God with them. They were homesick. Now, I've never been in that situation, but I, I do believe that different people can live in different prisons. And none of these prisons are God's best for us. So how do we get back to the promised land? How do we step into the new thing that he's got for us. I'm saying step into it. Actually, there's three, three steps. And if you are taking notes, there's three steps I'm going to cover this morning. First step, start looking ahead. Forget the past things. Don't dwell on the past. And it might sound obvious, but if you're continually looking behind you, you can't really see where you're going. So, if we're ever going to move into the new things that God has for us, we must learn that we can't depend upon past victories to sustain us, neither can we remain in our past failures and regrets and hurts. So forget the former things. The children of Israel, the Israelites, had many victories in their past. They'd left Egypt, they'd conquered the land of Canaan, they'd fought off many invaders, and they'd survived a split in their country. Don't get me wrong. Past success is a good thing. It's good at building confidence, and past experiences with God are good at building faith. But the Israelites here are in captivity, and all their previous victories, all their past, is doing nothing to set them free now. They needed a new work, 
a new miracle, a new victory. Anyone else feeling that in their, their life just now? I know I was. Needing something, I need a, a breakthrough. I need something new. I need something fresh. And I know all the things that have happened in my past, the good and the bad, but they're not helping me today. So the question isn't, what has God done? The question has to be, what is God doing in your life right now? Or better, probably better, what do you want God to do in your life right now? Don't be afraid to ask. So our past success can hinder us, but probably more obviously our past failures can too. We cannot allow our past failures to own us. I mean, the Israelites, they'd failed God miserably. Every time he blessed them with good things, they threw it back in his face. He gave them a temple, but they got into idol worship. He gave them commandments, they treated them like they were suggestions. He gave them wealth, but they abused the poor. Eventually, he gave them, he gave them himself, and they rejected him too. So Israel did not deserve to receive anything from God, yet God still loved them, and he wanted to help them change. So notice what God says. He says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See him doing a new thing. God was not condemning them for the past. They could do nothing to change it. Instead, God was holding out before them a new hope. Forget about your past. I'm giving you a fresh start. That's what he's saying. Another reason to forget the past is that you can't live on past faith. The Israelites had experienced great spiritual blessings throughout their history. From the first Passover to the crossing the Red Sea to the conquering of Canaan to building the temple, Israelites had seen the hand of God at work in and through their lives right throughout their history. Yet their faith in God was doing nothing to change their present situation. They were exiled. They were in a land that wasn't their own. So their old faith wasn't enough to deliver them from their present problems. They needed new faith, new vision for what God could do and for what he would do next. So the first step is to look ahead. The second step would then be discover what God wants for you. Discover what God wants for you. That's an interesting question. A lot of us don't even know what we want for ourselves. But forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See him doing a new thing when it springs up. Do you perceive it? Making a way in the wilderness. Streams in the wasteland. What, what do you see when you view your life? Do you see possibilities? Or do you see problems? Notice what God said. I'm making a way in the desert. And streams in the wasteland. The Israelites had a choice. They could view their past and their problems in the present, or they could focus on what God wanted to do in their lives. He wanted to make a way in the wilderness. He wanted to make streams in the desert, in the wasteland. See, he was wanting to do something while they were still in their current situation. He was wanting to do something that would transform them within their current situation. In order to discover what God wants for you, you have to see yourself the way that God sees you. And I think some of the Israelites must have felt like they were just getting what they deserved because of the way that they'd behaved. 
I know I've felt like that in the past. You might feel that your past has made your life a wasteland. But this is the important thing. In God, your life can become a stream. Okay? Giving life. Bringing life. So remember, this is another scripture for you here. Romans 8. Remember this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of sin, sorry, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Another one in Colossians chapter 1, it says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by, by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. It's almost like every time we try and write ourselves off, God's writing us back on again. Away in the wilderness. He's made a way. There was no way we could cover for all the things that we've done wrong. God makes a way. His way was Jesus. But he makes a way in the wilderness. He makes streams in the wasteland. So if we're wondering, what does God want? God wants transformation. He wants transformation for us. Not to us. But for us. He is for us. Second Corinthians chapter 3, it says this. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whew, that's good. Freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. So the first step is look ahead. The second step is discover what God wants for you, which is he wants you to be transformed. And lastly, commit yourself to God's plan. The third step, commit yourself to it. Ask yourself, do you want it? Do you want this? Do you want to be transformed? Do you want your life, your circumstances? Do you want transformation? God had already set into motion all the events and the people who would lead Israel back out of captivity and back into the land of blessing. But it was still up to them to decide if they wanted to follow God and accept what he was offering. If they refused God's plan, if they refused to go where God was leading them, then they'd remain in their captivity. So the question is, do you want it? God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God has already set into motion a new direction and a new purpose for your life. The question is, will you follow him? So, look ahead, discover what God wants for you, and commit to following the plan. Following Him. It's quite simple, really. Now, I'm going to finish in a few moments, and maybe the band could come back up. But if we go back to the big country song at the start, I know you're wondering what the tenuous link was. I don't know if you caught it. But there's a line in the song, in the second verse, and I'm not going to sing it, I'll just read it like a poem. It's a blessing from me to you, that. I'm not expecting to grow flowers in the desert, but I can live and breathe and see the sun in winter time. Yeah. Now, if I'm being honest, I think that's where I've been a lot of my life. You know, I'm not expecting to grow flowers in the desert. That's, that's a bit beyond me. 
but I can live and breathe and see the sun in winter time. You know, trying to make the most of things and trying to be thankful for what I have but not expecting anything out of the ordinary and not expecting God to break into my circumstances and do something new. And yet, expectation, expectation is the hallmark of faith. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And so, with expectation, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I can go out every day knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. That he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me and his rod and staff will comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And finally, he is making a way in the wilderness. He is making streams in the wasteland. And I am expecting to see flowers in the desert. Thanks for listening. God bless you.